Welcome to Lighthouse Chapel International, Columbus, Ohio. We invite you to discover the life-changing anointed word of God as you listen to this message by Reverend Gilbert Asamoah. Reverend Gilbert Asamoah is a well-seasoned minister who serves as the General Overseer of the Raccoon Diocese in Lighthouse Chapel International, USA. Founded by Bishop Dag Heward Mills with over 1,800 branches worldwide. Join us for a life-changing experience as you listen to this message. For your outstretched arm that always draws us near you, that gives us the confidence to approach your throne of grace. We believe that in your presence, my Lord, is fullness of joy. In your presence are pleasures forevermore. Help us, Lord, not to be in a hurry, not to be so busy as not to find time to be in your presence, Lord. Thank you for blessing this word and creating in us a new hunger for your presence. In the name of Jesus, amen. We thank the Lord. So I believe last week we completed the series on the six reasons why we must desire the secret of God. But we are going to continue to share from the book, Victory Secrets. And today we are starting another series, Victory Secret number 14, which is the secret of the position of your candlestick. Hallelujah. The secret of the position of your candlestick. We are going to read almost the whole of Revelation chapter 1. You know, I know that in the book is up to 13 and verse 20, but we want to get a good picture of what is going on. Amen. So that song was very appropriate. It's like right in tune with what we are going to talk about. Bishop talks about the fact that your prosperity depends on how close you are to God or to Jesus Christ. Revelation chapter 1, starting from verse 1. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants. So right off the bat, you see the book of Revelation in its introduction, it tells you who the book is about. Hallelujah. It's the revelation or the unveiling of Jesus Christ. So many instances, we often see the book of Revelation as a book about end time events and about the Antichrist. See, all those are just side shows. Hallelujah. Those are side shows. But the main event, Jesus Christ is the main event of history. And he's the main event, the main person that the book is about. Now, if you catch this opening clause, you would understand the book. Now, why is that important? Because, you see, you and I, we cannot see ourselves in any other way other than see ourselves in Christ. You see, in the Old Testament, the way people used to introduce themselves, they don't even say, I'm from here, I'm from here. Unlike here, people often ask you, you know, where are you from? Amen. But, but, in the history and the annals of the people of Israel, when they are given a list of people, they always identify them by your father. 
they will say, so so and so, son of so and so, son of so and so, son of so and so, because it was it was more important to emphasize the relationship, as in who you are related to, than where you are born or where you grew up or. But today that's it's the other way around. Amen. And so, if all of us naturally descended from Adam, now in the new creation, we have to constantly to remind ourselves that our identity is in Christ. And so, and so it's very appropriate for us to see that the book of Revelation that we are reading, it is the revelation of Jesus Christ. Because the Bible says in 1 John, it says that, it says, as he is, so are we in the world. If we can see who Jesus is, then we will find who we are. Hallelujah. The identity crisis is because we don't know who our father is. We, we, have, been, we, have, been, we have been hijacked by a world system that tries to define us by what car you drive, what uh, clothes you wear, what school you went to, you know, all kinds of things that are a sideshow. Amen. It's not the main event. It, all those are side shows. Hallelujah. I remember growing up, we used to watch a, a drama series. Um, and before the actual drama starts, there's, they will be doing things and they call it comedies. That's not the main thing, but it's just something to whet your appetite. A- amen. And so, um, the revelation of Jesus Christ, all right, which God gave unto him to show his servants things which must shortly take place. And he sent and signified it by his angel to his servant John, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ to all things that he saw. Then he gives a promise. Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy. And keep those things which are written in it for the time is near. So many people are scared of the book of Revelation because of the judgments that are in it. There are some wild judgments that reveal God's uh, wrath in the book of Revelation. So it's not a book that is often read. Amen. But here we are. We are getting a promise that a person who reads it will be blessed. Amen. So we are already blessed by reading it. What do you think? Amen. So now, next thing, he introduces himself. John, to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come. Notice the first verse introduces the first verse introduces who the book is about. Hallelujah. And, and, and describes him, is that is the revelation of Jesus Christ. And then in this verse, John, when he's He's mentioning who the book is addressed to, okay? Then he immediately links his message to Christ. And Christ is described as he who is and who was and who is to come. So, so he's talking about somebody who has, who has dominion over time or who is above time. Because if he is who is, he's talking about present tense. Is that not so? If he is he who was, he's talking about past. And then he who is to come is in the future. The same person is past, present, and future. He has, he has domain over all the uh, um, spectrums of time. So the, so, so the person 
that this book is about. He is the one that can defy time for you. We are talking about human beings, human beings that are in a struggle of our lives with the, with, with the, with the complexity of, of life today. Do you understand? And, 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 and how the things that we have to deal with often make us um, help, feel helpless and feel like, feel like we have lost control. Hallelujah. Because if something is in your past, you cannot go back in your past to correct it. And then often we are anxious about how the future is going to turn out. Amen. But then, but then, then he's introducing and saying that we are now, we are now, uh, uh, I'm giving you a message from someone who actually, it doesn't matter which place you are. Whether you, you are, because you see, as you are talking about the past, present, and the future, people feel crippled often that they cannot go forward because they live in the past. They live in the past in the sense of what has not gone well for them. And they cannot move on the next step in their life because all their time, they are just reminiscing and, and, and thinking back as to what could, have been, what could have been, which was not. It's exactly what uh, uh, Prophet Samuel went through. One King Saul, one King Saul um, uh, uh, was rejected by the Lord. Amen. And, 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 and he, he, was, he was in a period of great, he was very morose, very, very distraught, very disappointed and disillusioned because Saul was heavily anointed, but he blew it and God rejected him. And it came to a point where when God had to come to uh, someone and say, how long would you mourn for Saul? Hallelujah. Because a lot of times when we look past in the past, what we miss what we used to have that we don't have anymore. Or, or, or what we could have been, which we, we, we lost the opportunity. You, a person can live in that time of the past and all your time, your mind is going back there. But then when you do that, you, 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 you are losing a vision for the future. And, 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 and it's, it's not that doing that helps you. Actually, you think you're going to find yourself in the past. But the more you do that, the more you rather drift away and you sink in, into greater and greater um, hopelessness and depression. And so it makes you helpless. But now, we have been introduced to someone who actually lives in all realms of time. And, 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 and the scripture and, and the person is in that look. This is the one now we are dealing with. Hallelujah. You can also have somebody who is also uh, not so much about the past, about the future. Is thinking about how the future is going to be, and it can actually cripple you about the present. Amen. And yet, there are also others who are always uh, worried about now, something that is going on now. Okay, and 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 cannot see, cannot see that, cannot see that. Okay, something that is going on now may not be the most pleasant experience, but actually, the future is bright. Are you there with me? And so it's very important that, you know, Apostle John, when he wrote this, he was, he was, he was um, I, 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 I believe he was in his 90s. And the, here is someone, the last apostle alive. And he has seen a lot. When he was writing the book of Revelation, you know, Peter had been crucified. Paul had been crucified. And then you also have had the, the, um, the temple of Jerusalem destroyed. Because the temple had been destroyed 20 years before he was writing this. 
do you get it? All his friends that they used to run around with Jesus had been killed. And now in this age, you, you, may, you may think it was easy for him. It was not easy for, for John. Because here is John, the last living apostle. He has been banned and exiled to the island of Patmos. And now Jesus Christ has appeared to him to bring him hope for the future. So if you look at it, he's that the link between, between the old generation and the next generation. Because now he also needs to leave something behind for the disciples, the people that he has discipled, like Ignatius and Polycarp. What are they going to take to the when you, once you hit um, after John died, you know, soon after that, you're 100 AD, 101, 102. Once you hit that, that uh, era, what is going to be the new driving force that Christians are going to have? Because many of them actually believe that Christ was coming in their lifetime and he didn't come and people have begun to die many have been crucified and so now he's saying that look don't get too too uh, stuck up on the current circumstances because the whole deal is that your life is like a prophetic parable that is para- parallel to the life of christ you cannot look at your life apart from christ and it is out of christ that you can draw new strength you can draw new vision you can draw new purpose when you t- see yourself outside of christ that makes it even more helpless and hopeless but the person that we are dealing with is he who was and he who is and he who is to come and from the seven spirits who are before his throne you cannot divorce jesus christ from the spirit of god amen neither can you divorce the word of god from the spirit of god it's like a three cord three prong cord that can never be separated amen all right so he keeps on going describing uh, the faithful uh, witness, firstborn from the dead, the ruler over the kings of the earth. To him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. That's a summary of the power of our redemption. And has made us kings and priests to his God and Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and forever. Okay. Alright. Let me jump to verse 8. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord. Who is who was and who is to come? The Almighty. So once again, and, and let me make another point. You see, when we see him as the Alpha and the Omega, it is very important to see him not in terms of the points of Alpha beginning and, and then Omega end. That what is being what is what, what this implies is that is that the whole spectrum of Alpha and Omega beginning and it's not that he appears in the beginning. It's like it's like a it's like your father or somebody who gives you work to do. Okay, you guys do this. And then he leaves. And then when it's over, he comes and inspects. No, 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 no. He's in the beginning. He's in the end. But he's also all the way in between. He's for that. He has not left us to our own devices. As a matter of fact, the whole idea of he, Jesus coming into the flesh was to identify with us, to make us see that he can relate with our plight. Hallelujah. And so, Apostle John, when he was writing this, is an old man. I watched a movie called The Apocalypse. Don't know whether you have seen it. And in the Apocalypse movie, it, it was like Paul, John was on the island of Patmos. And in fact, the way the book of Revelation was written, it was written in pieces. Like the visions didn't all come in one day. And so he will, he will, he will get the vision, he will write it, and then they will smuggle it out of there the uh, prison, the Patmos Island, through some people and then they would take it to the churches. Do you get it? And so they collected it over time and then it was put together. But, but 
The people were very mean. You know, they, 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 they were calling him, you old fool. All kinds of things. So what I'm telling you is that what we are reading, it is not, it is not uh, uh, somebody, something that was written out of somebody who is so elated and excited, eating, uh, what do you call it, Valentine's Day's uh, uh, chocolate, and then he's excited. He's right. No, 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 no. It, he wrote it in great distress. Why am I saying that? Because sometimes when you read from the apostles, you might think that their life was better than ours. Do you get it? Even when Paul writes to the Philippians and says, Rejoice, and again I say unto you, Rejoice, you might think that the guy had an easy life, so it's easy for him to tell somebody to rejoice. No, 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 no. When he's saying rejoicing, rejoice, he, he, this is something he himself has practiced because he had to practice how to rejoice in the midst of adversity. How to be stoned in a, what do you call it, a, the city next to Macedonia and left for dead. And how to rise up again and go and visit the, the, the believers and encourage them. Amen. So, so Peter said that, look, the fiery trial that is coming upon you and the difficulties you are going through, he said, that, think, think not, it is, it is strange. Why? Because we are in a world where we are getting resistance from the enemy. Because we are God's agents to transform the face of the earth. To make people get a passion for the glory of God. And that thing that we are doing makes us in the front lines as enemies of God. But he's bringing us encouragement in this last hour. Hallelujah. Alright. So verse, verse number 9. I, John, both your brother and companion in the tribulation and kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ. Look at, look at it very carefully. Tribulation, kingdom, and patience. You see, very often you hear people talk about kingdom. And no, we believe in kingdom because you will see that earlier he said he has made us what? Kings and priests. Amen. But the kingship is a bit like the way David was anointed king. He was anointed king when Saul was still on the throne. And from the time he was initially anointed, Bishop calls it the Shammah anointing. It's like an anointing that marks you out that you are the next one to be king. But then you have to work yourself through the process of growing and finally having Saul leave the scene for you to come on. And until Saul died, we know that Saul was constantly fighting David. He was jealous of David. Saul knew that this guy, the Lord's hand is on him. I know that, what's his name? Samuel's anointing of David. It was in a secret meeting. So, most likely, Saul didn't know. But he could tell that the way the ladies were singing after the Goliath enterprise, that Saul, Saul, 1,000, David, David, 10,000, he knew that this guy is my challenger. This is how Satan hates us. And so a lot of our struggles and difficulties and challenges and adversities, and sometimes he even comes to you, not in terms of physical, even in your mind and in your heart. And, 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 and begins, to, begins to actually uh, make you feel like, what is this whole thing about? I'm, I'm just wasting my time. But you see, those things are resistance. Those things are a sign that you are making a difference. When you are making, when you are a threat to somebody, that's when, that's when they, they, they begin to act up. When you are not threat, nobody will mind you. Hallelujah. And so here we are, Apostle John, telling us the introduction to the book. Okay? So he says, 
I was in the spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a loud voice as of a trumpet saying, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. And what you see, write in a book and send it to the seven churches which are in Asia, to, to Ephesus, to Smyrna, to Pergamos, to Thyatira, to Sardis, to Philadelphia, and to Laodicea. Then I turned to see the voice that spoke with me. I turned to see the voice. He knew that behind the voice was a person. Hallelujah. I turned to see the voice because you would, you would think, you would say, I turned to hear. But he said, I turned to see the voice. And having turned, look at it. Having turned, did he see the person speaking? I, the first thing he saw, I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the midst of the seven lampstands, one like the Son of Man. Hallelujah. You notice that you notice that this concept of Son of Man was first used by Ezekiel and then Daniel. It is a prophetic uh, language that the people that John was writing to who were familiar with the Old Testament scripture knew that he's talking about Christ. And in fact, Christ took it up. When he was speaking, he would often call himself the Son of Man. Amen. And Bishop taught a series many years ago in the early 2000s, Christ as the Son of Man. And, and Bishop, one of the things Bishop says that why did he call himself the Son of Man? Is that one, to identify with us. That we are, with, we are like him. He's like us. What he has done, we will do. The glory that he has earned, we will step into it. The, which also means that the frustration that he saw, he, we will also see it. It says somewhere, Jesus said that, that he said, foxes have holes, and the son of man, uh, and the best of the earth have where? Nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. Amen. And so, and so I, I want to encourage you, we probably will not get into the points tonight, but I want to encourage you that the, 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 the struggle, the there seems to be a fight. There seems to be a fight for the emergence of the purposes of God. Both within us and out in the church. Hallelujah. And that resistance you are seeing is because you are a threat to the enemy. And that you are actually what? A candidate for God to use to raise a people who have a passion for his glory. And that threatened Satan. And so now, when he heard the voice, and he turned to look, and he looked around where the voice was coming from, the voice, the first thing he saw was the seven golden candlesticks. And then in the midst of the candlesticks, Jesus Christ is walking. Hallelujah. And then he begins to describe how a him clothed with the garment down to the feet, gathered about the chest with a golden um, a band, his head and hair were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes like a flame of fire. His feet were like fine brass, as if refined in a furnace. His voice as the sound of many waters. He had in his right hand, watch this, seven stars. Because he's going to explain. All these details are important. Out of his mouth, one a sharp two-edged sword. And his countenance was like the sun shining in his strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. But he laid his right hand on me, saying, Do not be afraid. I am the Alpha and the, and the last, the first and the last. I am he who lives and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of Hades and of death. What are people afraid of? People are afraid of dying. People are afraid of, 
Hades and death. But Jesus said he has the keys. Amen. And then, and then he says, it's interesting, he said, I felt one at his feet as one, someone who was dead. And Jesus is saying, I am the one that holds the keys to death. You are not dying yet. <laughs> then he says, I'm alive forevermore. Then he said, write the things which you have seen and the things which are and the things which will take place after this. Now he begins to explain the mystery of the seven stars which you saw in my right hand. And the seven golden lampstands. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches. And the seven lampstands which you saw are the seven churches. Hallelujah. So now, 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 it becomes very important that first of all, the book was introduced in verse 1 that it is a revelation of Jesus Christ. Okay? And then John begins to describe where he was when he saw the revelation. He was in the island of Patmos. Then he said, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. And then he says that I heard a loud voice, like, like, like a, a, a trumpet. Do you understand? And then, and then he turned to look where the voice was coming from. And when he turned to look, he did not see the person who was speaking. He saw rather the environment where that person was. He saw the atmosphere. What atmosphere is the Son of God walking in? The Son of God is walking in the atmosphere of the seven lamps. Hallelujah. And then later on, he explains that the seven lamps are the seven churches. Now, where are you going to find this one who has power over death and life? Where are you going to meet this one who controls the destiny of nations? The one who is the Alpha and the Omega. When you look at chapter 2 and chapter 3, Jesus begins to... Every church, every one of the seven churches, he introduces himself in a certain way. Actually, we are going to read chapter 2, uh, uh, um, the, the message to Ephesus. But, but I want you to, uh, uh, you see, we, we are talking about the secret of what? The position of a lampstand. Amen. But you need to see the significance of the lampstand before you even think of its position. And why is it significant? It is significant because Jesus, what are the descriptions of Jesus in this passage so far? He is called what? The Alpha and what? Omega. He's also called one. He who was, he who is, who is to come. He's also called the one who died and rose again and I'm alive forevermore. Are these all powerful things? And then he's also called what? The son of man. The one who has the keys to what? Hades and death. Hallelujah. All these powerful descriptions. Such an important person. Are you going to find him in the White House? Are you going to find him in the Vatican? Are you going to find him where? At Manchapolis. Where are you going to find him? You are going to find him among the seven lampstands. So this is the place that Jesus has chosen to hang around. Amen. He has chosen to hang around the church. The church is now very, very important because this person whose credentials, you see, it is, there's a repeated pattern. He's, I am an Alpha and Omega. Because you, you, you want to go back in the past and fix something. You want to go into the future and hope things will work out. You don't know where you are. But he said, look, forget about that. I am here, I am there, I am in the middle, I am everywhere. I have defied time. I have risen over time. And this, I am the most important person. But you know where you can find me? You can find me among the lampstands, the church. Amen. Hallelujah to Jesus. And then he talks about the messengers, the angels or the messengers, the stars refer to to the messengers of the churches. Or the, uh, 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 in the kingdom, it's an angel. Do you understand? The word angel can mean a physical 
uh, 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 it can mean a spiritual entity angel. It can also mean a messenger of God. Hallelujah. And so, either way, it doesn't bother me. But the important thing is that it's not so much as because some people, some theologians believe that when they said the message to the seven um, churches, John was supposed to write these letters, right? As messages to the churches. But the one to deliver the message to the churches were who? The angels of the churches. You can make an argument both ways. But if God wants to give a message through John to the churches, it's very likely that it will be a human messenger. Do you get it? Of course, God could have appeared to an angel directly, for, but it is likely the angel here means the pastor of the churches. But even if it is not, it doesn't matter. What is important to me is that let's go back to verse number. What is the first time we saw the seven stars? Which verse was that? Before we go to the end where he is explaining who the seven stars are. He said, I turned to see the voice that spoke with me. And having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the midst of the seven lampstands, one like the Son of Man, clothed with a garment, and gathered about the chest with a golden band. His head and hair were like were white like who? As white as snow. And his eyes like a flame of fire. His feet were like what? Fine brass. And then he goes on to say, which verse is that? 16. What is, he had in his right hand seven stars. So if you understand the seven stars to be human beings as messengers of the churches or people that represent the churches, which it can be you and it can be me. In other words, you are, some, are you somebody God can use to give a message to the church? Where are those seven stars? In this story, where are the seven stars? No, 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 but look at, look at very closely, verse 16. They are in the hands of Jesus. Amen. I want you to get this because what we are talking about is that the scripture is using spiritual metaphor to explain something. That first of all, he's walking among the lampstands. He's walking among the lampstands. Where are you going to find Jesus Christ? Walking among the church. That is where his interests are. Amen. Amen. That is where his interest is. His interest is with the church. Because he explains at the end that the churches, the lampstand represent the seven churches. And then he also says that he's holding what? The, st- the seven stars are angels or messengers of the seven churches. The, 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 the effectiveness of the angel, the effectiveness of the messenger, the, the, the impact that the messenger can make to deliver the message it depends on the father they are held in the hands of Christ. Because you see, the angel, the message, the whole deal is like having a glove. Sister Ajapoma, if you go, if you go to someone's house, they say we are making a we are I'm going to get visitors. I'm going to get visitors, so I need you to come and help me get the place ready. And when you go, you see that their car is not there, but the door is open, then they have put a sign a sign uh, at the door entrance that oh I'm stopping by Kroger to buy uh, what do you call it paper towel and stuff so you can come in the door is open you can do make, get orange juice and make yourself comfortable or if you like you can even start with the cleaning and when you enter and you see uh, do you have you seen some of those cleaning gloves the plastic ones that you put on your hands you see the, the yellow one 
that they are uh, like in a house, for example, when you enter, you know the first ba- downstairs bathroom is on your left. So you, as you are going past the bathroom to go to the kitchen area, you, the door is open, and you see these gloves on their own cleaning the the mirror. That is, the mirror, the the gloves. There's that, there's no hand, and the gloves are cleaning the mirror. What are you going to do? I am going to run out. This is crazy. <laughs> Mavis, what did you get me into? Do you get it? The gloves are powerless unless the one who uses the gloves are, is wearing them. And so are we as messengers of God. He, we have to be in his hand. When we are in his hand, that's when it will make any impact. Hallelujah. And the lampstand represents the thing that God is using to lighten the world. It says in, um, um, what's the name? Matthew 5, 14, you are the light of the world. Hallelujah. And so then, so far, I have spoken about the importance of the lampstand. The importance of the lampstand arises because of who has made it important. Jesus, the lampstand have become very important because that is where Jesus hangs out. I don't know whether you have seen the movie Air Force One. Have you seen the movie Air Force One? You know that at the end of the movie, oh, uh, Brother Francis, we need to watch that movie. It's a little f- full of suspense, but the good news is that the end is good. <laughs> Amen. You, your, your stomach, your intestines will be churning, but I'll be a spoiler alert. The end is good, but I won't tell you the end. So in the end, what happened? Air Force One, the Air President's plane, came under attack. Do you get it? And then the Air Force, you've seen it. The Air Force people were sent to come and rescue. In the end, the actual Air Force One, what happened to it? It blew apart. And then they took the president into what? One of the one of the F-14s, one of the... And so, the pilot announced that I forgot what the, the name of the plane. Let's say it's called F F fourteen two one two. He said F fourteen two one two is now what Air Force One. Why? Because Air Force One is where the president is. So that because he has joined himself to that particular aircraft, it has now become Air Force One. And so the importance of the lampstand, that lampstands are important, is the churches. But the churches is is important because. This is where Christ is hanging out. Hallelujah. But in, 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 in chapter 2, in chapter 2, he begins to let us know that in the spiritual realm, you guys are seen as a lampstand. But on earth, what you do practically on the ground affects how the lampstand is bright. How bright the lampstand is. Hallelujah. And so it says to the church in Ephesus, to the church, angel of the church of Ephesus, right? This thing says he who holds the seven stars in his right hand. Who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands? I know your works, your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil. And you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not, and have found them liars. And you have persevered and have patience, and have labored for my name's sake, and have not become weary. Nevertheless, I have this against you. 
that you have left your first love. Remember therefore from where you have fallen. Repent and do the first words. Or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place. Unless you repent. So, there is so much excitement so, so far as I, I have tried to emphasize the importance of the lampstand. But the lampstand is as important as Jesus continues to see it as relevant. So that when, when the lampstand does not do what it's supposed to do, he's, he's giving a warning that I will remove what? The, in other words, if, Jesus, if the lampstand is important because Jesus is working among, if he's going to remove it, I mean, let's say there's seven of them. Now he's telling Ephesus, if he removes it from that area, what do you think happens to the other six? It's still there. It's the, it's the pro, it's you, Ephesus, you have, who have a problem that he has removed. The rest are still there. Amen. And so, and so the deal is that the, Jesus Christ not only holds the stars, he has power to change the position of the lampstand. Depending upon what so, so what, another picture we should see is that there is a, something synchronizing what happens on earth and what happens in the spiritual realm. In the spiritual realm, this church is represented by a lampstand. Amen. Your life as an individual is represented by a lampstand. And what you want is that you want to be as close as possible to Christ. Because your relevance is based on how close you are to Christ. If Christ, as he threatened to the Ephesus church, if he decides that he doesn't need this lampstand anymore, you, you are done for. Hallelujah. God forbid. And so, and so the, the relevance in this life, and even in the business world, the survivor of a business, the, the, the usefulness of a business, and its ability to even get customers, depends on if they continue to make products and services that are relevant to people who pay for it. Is that not so? You can talk about companies like Blackbuster and others who 20 years ago, who would have thought that do you get it? And so, and so let's think about if the lampstand is being controlled by Christ and what we do determines what he does with the lampstand. That if we must begin to make Make we, 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 our eyes must be open to see not only what is happening in the spiritual realm, the fact that we are lampstand, but we must also see that what we do here affects the decisions that is taken in the spiritual realm. Because if a lampstand is taken out of the presence of Christ, it's done for. I pray that all of us will strive to be close to Christ and do what we need to do so that our lamp will not be removed. Put your hands together unto the Lord. Let's bring the Lord an offering. Let's give my test to give if possible. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we are grateful to you. Thank you for your mercy and your grace. We commit ourselves to you and we give to support your work. And we ask you also to bless everything that we do. Let everything we do speak of your glory. And move us forward, Lord. Move us forward. That our lamp will keep on shining brightly. Bless our offerings in the name of Jesus. Amen.